Throw it up there for me. Matthew eleven twenty eight. It's it's been there, our our founding verse that we've just been kind of meditating on the whole the whole month. It says, "Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion?" We're going to come out to that phrase because my whole sermon's on this. I love talking about religion and how anti-religion I am, which is ironic, right? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Matthew eleven. Uh, 30 right here learn the unforced rhythms of grace our whole sermon series the unforced rhythms of grace I won't lay anything heavier or ill-fitting on you keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly go back to verse 28 I love that phrase burned out on religion I didn't even realize I was burned out on religion eight years ago because I was checking all my boxes of things that I thought I had to do as a Christian and not checking the boxes, all the things I don't think I was supposed to be doing as a Christian. And then I would take that checklist of my own and I would compare it with other people that I was doing life with and I would look at them and say, I'm better than you because I'm doing this and I'm not as good as that person because I'm not doing this. And all of a sudden I got burned out on religion without even realizing it. And it's this topic that I get to talk about today, my favorite thing in the world to talk about, the grace of God. Because if you get around Christians long enough, they'll call the grace of God something like hyper grace or greasy grace, and we're going to debunk that myth because there's no such thing as that. But you can't call something hyper or greasy when it's founded in Jesus. We're going to talk all about it. It's my favorite thing to talk about. But before we talk about it, as you find your seat, why don't you check out this amazing video? And here's why I'm going to say it's amazing. Because my man Cody Tevis with Pursue Media and myself, we created it. That's why it's amazing. But we made this video. You can see. You can take a seat. We made this video three years ago for a conference, and uh, it's amazing. So why don't you turn your attention to the screen and check this out? this may be a shock, but my behavior doesn't dictate my position in the kingdom of God is a lie. And the hypergrace movement is dangerous. I will fight to say me being right is more important than listening to your perspective. I have my priorities straight because rules are more important than relationships. I tell you this, once upon a time, people cared for each other, but this will not be true in our community. This is a dog-eat-dog -dog world. Society tells us the world is getting worse. We do not concede that we will love those we disagree with. Today, we will divide over things that don't matter. No longer can it be said that we care about people. It will be evident that my generation is apathetic 
and intolerant. And it is foolish to presume that God is love. And all of this is true unless we choose to reverse it. God is love. It is foolish to presume that my generation is apathetic and intolerant. It will be evident that we care about people. No longer can it be said that we will divide over things that don't matter. Today, we will love those we disagree with, and we do not concede that the world is getting worse. Society tells us this is a dog-eat-dog -dog world, but this will not be true in our community. People cared for each other once upon a time, and I'll tell you this, relationships are more important than rules. I have my priorities straight because listening to your perspective is more important than me being right. And I will fight to say the hyper-grace movement is dangerous is a lie. And my behavior doesn't dictate my position in the kingdom of God. I realize this may be a shock, but I am good enough. And I refuse to believe that I am part of a religious system of bondage. I am irresistible. Isn't that amazing? Caught you at first. I could see some of you guys like, huh, when it was going forward. And then when it goes backwards and it reveals the truth about not only who you are or who you've always been. This is why I love the grace message. Because it's empowering. Did you hear that? It's empowering. And if you're ready and willing to touch on maybe a touchy subject for you, depending on how religious and churched you are, I want to unpack this. Do I have permission to unpack this? Come on, can I, can I, can I go with you? Can, you? can we use Scripture to actually defend some of these things and to empower some of us? I uh, was reading about a documentary. There, there's, um, there's this documentary out. I haven't seen it yet. It's called 10,000 Nights in the Jungle. But I was reading about it. It was about this World War II Japanese uh, soldier who was positioned in the island of the Philippines, and he had a team, and they, they were the first people to use, like, the guerrilla-style tactic where they would come down and kill a bunch of people, take over a village, and then retreat to the mountains. And they were the secret part of the Japanese military that were trained to never give up no matter what. What's fascinating is if you're a history buff, you know that World War II finished in 1945, okay? This guy lost his entire team but never gave up on the, on the mission and continued to kill people in the Philistines under World War II for, check this, guess how many years? Till 1974. 29 years after the war was over, this guy was still fighting a war that didn't exist. And it wasn't until they found his commanding officer to go find him and to reveal to him the truth. And as I'm reading this documentary, as I'm reading this report, this is how weird I am because I was very church growing up. I can't help but tie this to religion. How many people have been in the church fighting for something that creates bondage instead of experiencing a power that releases freedom and carries responsibility? Christians fighting over things that don't matter, 
tied to religion, fighting a war that was finished 2,000 years ago because of Jesus Christ and not realizing the truth about who they have always been. And so for me, it is so important for people to understand that God is good and God is grace and God is love because if you don't understand that God is good and God is grace and God is love, you will perform by the way that you believe. So if you believe that God is full of condemnation and shame, then you will bring condemnation and shame to your relationships. But if you believe that God is full of grace and full of love, you will extend that grace and love to other people. And so I want to show you this passage of Scripture. When, uh, when we made that film, I was confronted by uh, two people that I highly respect, still highly respect, be- because they, we use the word hyper, hyper grace. And, and again, if you're in church long enough, you'll hear people warning other Christians to be careful about the hyper grace movement. And, and they're well-meaning, and I understand the concerns. We're going to unpack the concerns here this morning. But if you listen to those concerns without listening to the Holy Spirit in your life, your relationship with Jesus will always be forced, and you'll never experience the unforced rhythms of grace. Because rules and relations do not lead to heart transformation. And Jesus did not come to set up a new religious system with new rules and new laws that we have to follow. Religion is a system of living by which we try, by our behavior, to please a God who's already pleased with us, to find acceptance in a God who's already accepted us, and to prove our worth to God instead of resting in the fact that we're already worthy because of Jesus. Religion is trying to earn what is already yours. And in the modern American church, more churches like to talk about the devil than we do like to talk about Jesus. And I think that we're convinced about this reality because it makes us feel good. When you preach about the devil, everyone's like, yep, you got to be careful about that devil. He's out to get you. And it's almost like people accept that message without realizing that the devil was defeated 2,000 years ago, and he has no power over you ever unless you give him power. But then when you start talking about grace, people start getting freaked out. Why? Because grace actually empowers you in your freedom. In fact, Titus chapter 2 reveals this. Because again, if, if you're around grace long enough, Christians will say something like this. Grace gives you a license to sin. I've heard that my whole life. That's not what the scriptures say. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 12. It's going to pop up on the screen. For the grace of God, Paul's talking here. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Verse 12, I love this. Check this out. Grace is what teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. So grace is actually not a license to sin according to Scripture. Grace is actually what empowers you to say no to sin. But people will tell you that the grace message is soft on sin. You actually want to know what's soft on sin? Trying to manage it. Trying to defeat it while quietly keeping your sin in the closet because you can't share your sins with other people because there's no grace to cover you. There's just shame and condemnation. So we learn to wear our masks better in the church as if our stuff don't stink, as if everything in our life is all great and dandy. Come on, you want to find the best actors in America. You don't go to Hollywood. You go to church services. How's it going? It's going great. I love my spouse so well this week. And what religion does is it keeps you in bondage because you can never be real with the things that you struggle with. 
You want to know why? There's so many controversies around pastors and churches in America today. It's not because there's more than there ever has been. you got social media, so you're more aware of it. But it's because they don't have circles of grace where they can expose the things that they actually struggle with because there's so much fear of condemnation and shame that they might actually struggle with some real stuff. I'll give you an example. Can I be real? Can I be real? Can I be real honest? Some of you might get offended by what I'm about to just say right now because you can't believe the pastor would say this. Two weeks ago, I walked into my wife's room, and I was, I was feeling so much shame. I looked at her, and I said, I really want to look at porn right now. And you know what she did? She didn't drop her mouth. She didn't give me a lecture. She hugged me. She loved me. Because sin only grows when it's hidden. But when you have safe people in your inner circle, which if you don't have safe people in your inner circle, you've got to find a new inner circle. Because I could admit the temptation that was real, I was able to actually overcome the temptation that didn't have any power over me. I had to have my safe people say, you know what, right now I'm struggling. I don't know why I'm struggling. I don't know why I'm feeling this way. I don't actually want to do this, but for some reason I want to do this right now in this moment. I don't know if I'm dealing with loneliness right now. I don't know if it's because I just haven't, haven't been talking to God recently. I don't know if it's because I'm unaware of his permanent presence, but I got to tell somebody because the more and more I try to overcome sin that's hidden in my life, the more and more I sin. It's grace that empowers me to say no to ungodliness, not giving me a license to sin. Grace energizes our works, according to Titus. It, did not, it does not enable us. It empowers us. The scriptures in Genesis chapter 1 says, be fruitful. I love this verse. But notice how it doesn't say, do fruitful things. It says be fruitful. We talked about this two weeks, about we're human beings, that human doings, because being is who you are. And so our, fro- our fruit is an overflow of this reality. I-, I love this definition of responsibility. Responsibility is our response to his ability. Our response to his ability. Our response to his ability. I like how The Cure, there's this book called The Cure. It's a beautiful book on grace. It says, grace causes us to be wildly free but safe, unguardedly alive but more caring, full of life-giving joy but more deeply sensitive to the pain in others. See, hyper-grace is a well-meaning Christian response to something that they're uncomfortable with because then they can no longer control you. The reality is, as a pastor, I'm just going to be honest. Can I just, I, I, I feel like being honest today, vulnerable. So, uh, <laughs> some pastors don't even care about your sin. They care about what your sin or how your sin represents them. So, let me give you this example. You go to Hill City Church and you start living crazy because you've misunderstood the power of grace in your life. You think it gives you a license to sin, but guess what? You are permanently forgiven. So so there will be some people that abuse sin. It doesn't mean it's not our responsibility to preach it accurately. So you start living crazy, and people start knowing that you go to Hill City, and people start making some comments about Hill City, even though they've never been to the church, or they don't even know anybody besides you. 
And so the pastors start getting insecure. So they'll start telling you that you've got to live better. And they're, by their well-meaning conversations, they'll put you back under law because they're scared of what your freedom has done because your freedom has actually looked bad on them, not on you. Well, you guys don't like this, do you? See, we don't want people to be free. We want people to be good. Without recognizing that there were two trees in the garden and the good fruit still came from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I don't want people to be good. I want people to be free. And I want them to eat from the tree of life. Because when you know who you are, and you know that God's permanent presence is always in your life and that you're permanently accepted and favored, you live differently when you know you're not striving for something that's already yours. And then then you'll have those same people will say, well, there's grace and truth, as if they're antonyms. What people really mean when they say you have to balance grace and truth is what they really mean is you have to balance grace with the law. You cannot balance what the Holy Spirit already balances. And when I try to balance grace with truth, what I'm saying is, you know, you got to balance grace living with a little bit of law living, a little bit of rules, a little bit of behavior modification And all of a sudden, grace becomes greasy or hyper, and grace becomes a topic that we discuss and debate instead of a power that you experience. That was a really good place for an oh, wow. Oh, wow. Grace becomes something we discuss and debate instead of something we experience, something that empowers us, something that is true about who we have always been. And here's the third thing that we do. When we try to put people back under law and say, you got to balance grace and truth here. What we're really saying is we've lost patience with the Holy Spirit's process of changing people. Because people won't perform to the standard that you think that they ought to perform because they represent you. So you'll give them a list of instructions so that you feel better about their salvation. And most of the law that we put on people is for our benefit, not theirs. We're just offended by how slow the Holy Spirit is working in their lives. My friends, you do not examine yourself to find sin. Sin was dealt with 2,000 years ago. You, you examine yourself to find faith. And it's not even your faith. It's Christ's faith on your behalf. Jesus didn't die to take away your ability to sin. He died to take away the effectiveness of it. I love how Bill Vanderbush says it this way. He says, it's not your ability to keep law and rules that demonstrates your character. It's your ability to manage freedom. What you choose to do when you're free to do anything is what reveals the condition of your heart. Don Keithley says it this way. You will never know you are free from sin until you know you are free to sin. Grace will expose what has always been in the hearts of people, but has been suppressed and covered up by religious laws and guilt-ridden behavior modification messages. The only people who have a problem with God's unconditional love tend to be those who are already a part of the church. It tends to anger those who think they did something to earn God's love, and I'm personally convinced 
that no one walks away from Jesus. They walk away from unloving, judgmental people, a part of institutions who are open in their thinking, critical with their beliefs, and dogmatic in what they think is true. Stephen Crosby says it this way, if your idea of living in grace and freedom results in the decrease or diminishment of the life of Christ in and through you, it's neither grace nor freedom that you've found. The risk in preaching radical grace is that some people will misuse it. It always has been that way. It always will be that way. But we still preach it anyways. For we are all free to be stupid and to volunteer for slavery if we want it. Because the reality is, is if you want to sin, there are real consequences for that in your life. And if you want to experience those real consequences of those things in your life, you have the freedom to do that. My job is to empower you of who Jesus is and who you have always been. It's not my job to manage your sin. It's my job to tell you how free from sin you already are. And you're only free from sin because of the grace of Jesus Christ in your life. It's time that we as the church wake up to and are empowered by the reality of the grace of Christ. Is it soft on sin? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It actually gives you the license to win. It's not my job to confront you on the things you struggle with. It's not my job to tell you how to live your life. It's not my job to warn you about sin. It's not my job to babysit your walk with God. It's my job to show you who Jesus is. It's my job to tell you the truth about who you are. It's my job to inspire, to encourage, and to equip you to be able to be responsible for yourself, to care enough about your own walk with Jesus. And here's, here's what's beautiful about this. I'm, I'm going to call some people out. I hope you're not embarrassed by this. But you're sitting by Pastor Linda. I don't know who you are. What's your name? Angie. Angie. Nice to meet you. I'm Corey. So what happens is, is people come into church. And Tim, you can come out and make me sound beautiful because I'm already landing this plane. I told you it was going to be short and sweet. So people come into church. And we all got our masks on, including myself, because there's only a couple people that I'm comfortable with, Right? And what happens is, is we sit down in these seats and we listen to messages about grace, but what happens is we start comparing ourselves. And the only reason why I'm picking on you is because you're sitting next to Pastor Linda. You're intimidating. I don't know if you know this. But it's not because of anything you've done. You're just an amazing, powerful woman of God. And what happens is, is people will start to compare their walk with Jesus Christ and they'll sit next to someone like Pastor Linda who's been pastoral ministry for over 40 years. And she don't hide her stuff, her history, her past, her struggle. She don't hide it. She brings it out. And what can happen is we can get intimidated when we sit next to somebody like Pastor Linda because we think that she's got her life all together. She's laughing right now because she knows. If you only knew, she just said. If you only knew. We should ask Pastor Darrell when Pastor Linda ain't here, right? Hey. He's like, no, I'm still smitten after 80 years. That's a joke. That was rude. That makes you sound a lot older than you are. How many years have you been married? You're stalling. You don't remember. How many? 44. Look at that. Pastor Darrell does know. Hey, rounding points for you, big guy. So what happens is we start comparing ourselves with people, and we think, man, this person's been in pastoral ministry for 40 years. The favor of God on her life. Oh, my gosh, she's amazing. I just want to maybe be like her someday. I want to have a relationship with Jesus like her someday. And all of a sudden, we realize or we proclaim or we think that somehow Pastor Linda has more grace than you. 
Somehow, Pastor Linda has more favor than you. Somehow, Pastor Linda has way more blessings because she's been doing it longer. But the truth is, is you are as favored, as full of grace, and as whatever you are projecting, and I'm not saying you're projecting, but whatever it is that we walk in with this baggage, with this BS, we start to think, man, if only I could walk with Jesus like that person, the reality is, is you have always been the favor of God since the day you were born. And I might be talking to Angie, but I'm talking to every single one of you. You cannot get more favor from God. You cannot get more blessed. You need to awaken to the blessings that you already have been given. They're all yes and amen in Jesus. And you need to start walking as a real blessing to other people. And this blessing is only labeled with grace. You're covered with grace. Because when you fall under grace, you don't fall from the cross. You fall towards it. And Jesus is right there to pick you back up. You know what? There might be some people that abuse grace. There might be some people that go, well, I have the freedom to go live however I want because I am permanently forgiven. Thank you, God. Thank you, Corey, for this grace. I can't wait to go act a fool. And if you want to go and act a fool, by God, go act a fool. But you are going to reap consequences in your life because my job is to remind you about the power you already have. And you should be irresistible to people. Just like that video showed. People should want to be around you. Not because you're acting crazy, but because you see through people. You see right through all their mess and say, man, there is something going on in your life. You've got a false belief system and I want to pull this out of you. I want to re-empower you because you are living in a way that doesn't line up with who God says you are. And, and it's always these grace people that are, are people that are offended with grace. They always think that Christians, when they hear grace, that they're going to do like three things. It's always three things. They're going to go get drunk, they're going to do drugs, they're going to sleep around. It's always these three things. As if grace empowers me to want to cheat on my wife. I don't cheat on my wife because she says, hey, babe, I'll still love you if you do it. I don't want it because I genuinely love my wife. So when you're faced with sin, it's not this struggle. It's not this, oh, man, what am I going to do? Oh, man, did I want to please God. I want to. No, you are already pleased by God. He's empowered you to say no. And guess what? If you don't, there's grace on the other side of that mistake. And he lifts you up. And you might abuse it for a season. But eventually, you're going to wake up one day. And you're going to say, this thing I've been struggling with for decades under religion, I'm finally free. And empowers you to go and talk and bring that freedom to every single person you meet. Because it's grace, according to Paul in the book of Titus, that empowers you to say no to the things you know you're, not, you're supposed to say no to. So let's remove this shame and condemnation. Let's grow and, and flow in the unforced rhythms of grace. And let's be the irresistible church that God has called us to be. Because you're better than you could ever think or imagine. Church, you're amazing. I hope you leave this place empowered. I hope you leave this place reminded about who you have always been and who you will always be and watch your life walk with him, work with him as you watch how he does it in the unforced rhythms of grace. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you so much for your grace. I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you empower us with this message to say no to sin, that you empower us with this message to look out for people, to encourage them, to see that they're going through some hardships and to be there, to be that shoulder for them to cry on, to be that person that comes alongside somebody without shame and without condemnation and say, hey, you might be struggling with this, but I got you. I'm going to walk with you and work with you as we watch how Jesus did it. And may this grace message, when it's truly pe uh, preached, will it 
just revolutionize our lives as we align to who we have always been because of you. And it's in your name that we pray.